Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Now I, 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 I pray also in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you, us, we, all of us together, would take hold of these messages in this series that we started last week. We're going into part two this weekend on the subject of faith. The, the title is Faith Is, and we're filling in the blanks. Now, before I get into this, and um, believe God with me that I'll be able to bring this message to you in all of its entirety, what you need to receive. See, we three different services on the weekend, Many times the three different services, each one are very unique. There's a reason for that because there's a unique group of people in each service. And so the Holy Spirit knows who's going to be here. And so many times the, I'll use the same outline, use the same notes, but the message will come out very different depending on who's here. So I, I believe in this service the same thing's going to happen. Um, last week the, the, the same thing happened. One, somebody came up to me before the service this morning and said, last, last weekend all three services were completely unique. Yeah, because you have three different groups of people. So, I'm trusting, I'm believing God that I'm going to bring to you what we need at this moment, okay? You believe with me? Yes. Okay, good. Now, I want to emphasize this point. Because if you're like me, and, and many of you in this room are probably in the same season I am in, maybe been in the church, been born again for probably as many years as I have, you probably feel like sometimes you've heard as much faith teaching as there's going to be. And if I hear one more faith message, okay? And so what happens is you might have the tendency to shut off because you think you've heard them all already. Because faith, let's face it, very basic message in Christianity, right? But I'm telling you, I'm going to ask you these questions. How many of you are sick and tired of living on a planet where the system is constantly against you? Yeah. Let, me see what you let me see your hands. Yeah. The rest of you are doing okay. Okay. <laughs> How many of you are sick and tired, sick and tired of getting so far and then it seems like you hit the wall and you can't get any further than that? Let me see your hands. Good. Now, we're experiencing that because we're living on a planet that is under a curse. Now, that does not mean that you're under a curse, but we're living on a planet that is under a curse. And, the, and God did not create this planet to be under a curse. God created this planet to be under blessing. Are you catching this? All right, so, so we live our lives on this, on this rock, flying through space, and we think God purposely created it this way because he hates you and he's got an end for you, and he wants to make life as tough as he can to see who's going to make it to the end because that's what most religion teaches. Most people think we're on this earth, God's watching you, he's going to make it as hard as possible, to see how well you do under the circumstances. Now, that sounds spiritual, doesn't it? Sounds, but it's wrong. God never created this earth to be under a curse. God never created us on this earth to live under a curse. We invited the curse, and when I say we, I'm talking about Adam, okay? I'm talking about Adam and Eve. They invited the curse to come into this earth through, through their decisions, because, you know, how many, how many of you have ever made decisions that had really bad consequences that followed? 
The ones that did raise your hand, I want to see you in my office because I want to know what you're doing because I want to follow you. Okay, we have all been there. We have all made wrong decisions and all suffered under the consequences. The, the problem here is we're suffering under somebody else's consequences, but let's just be honest with each other. If we were there, we probably would have done the same thing because it's all human nature, okay? So this is what I want you to realize, and I'm so believing God that I'm going to be able to make this point through this series, okay? It has never been God's will for us to be left on this earth just to kind of like suffer underneath all of these consequences. It has never been God's will for us. It's not like God's up there going, good, here's another generation that's going to have to work three jobs. Here's another generation that's going to have to deal with depression. Here's another generation that's going to have to deal with sickness and disease. Here's another generation that's going to have to deal with poverty and lack, that they're never, no matter how much they work, no matter how hard they work, they're never going to have enough. And that's what most people think that God thinks. But watch this now. In order to counter everything I just talked about, the lack, the poverty, the depression, the sickness and disease, in fact, we're not supposed to die. God did not create Adam and Eve to die. Death came into the human experience. You remember, God said to Adam, in the day that you eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely None of this was supposed to be our experience. But now, we're stuck on the earth and have been for 6,000 years, okay? For 6,000 years, mankind has lived under the penalty and, under, and with the consequences of sin coming on the earth. But that's never been God's will to leave his people subject to the devil and subject to the devil's system. And so what has he given us to counter this crazy system that's on this earth, evil, corrupt, selfish, self-centered? What has he given us? He's giving us a force, a weapon to use, and that is faith. You have the ability to believe God's promises and see God's promises come to pass contrary to what the world system is like. Are you catching this? You don't have to be under the circumstances. You don't have to be subject to the corruption of this world. You do not have to be subject to the world system, even financially in this world, that is set up for you never, never, never to get out from underneath it unless you tap into God's principles, God's plan, God's character, God's promises, and just run with those, and then you see, okay, Okay, what has come to me that's meant for harm, God has turned around and used it for what? Good. That's not going to happen if you don't walk in faith. That was a good place for a really good, good, good amen. Like an old-time gospel church amen. So could we practice that again? Go ahead, one, two, three. Amen. A couple of preacher brothers would be good too. Okay, so, so now listen. This is very strong in my heart because my wife and I, for many, 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 many years, suffered the consequences of some bad decisions that I made in business, okay? And, and the cool thing about God, somebody posted this either yesterday or the day before on Facebook, the greatest thing about God is he'll get you out of the circumstances that you brought upon yourself and won't hold it against you. And so, so we know personally, we know personally 
what it is like to have to live by faith. What does that mean, Pastor? It means that we have to trust God continuously for everything. Okay? I, I know what that's like in my emotions and my soul. I shared a lot last weekend about when I was a young man. Yeah, I'm still young, but when I was a younger man. It was a good place to say amen. I used to suffer from horrible panic attacks, anxiety attacks. I mean, horrible, horrible. I had to use my faith to get out of that, okay? We went through financial disaster, lost everything, houses, business, cars. Now, that's not bad when you're single, but when you got a wife and four kids to take care of, it could be a challenge. And we saw God bring us through every single time. You see what I'm saying? Health challenges through the years, okay? Seeing God come to the rescue, seeing God turn situations around. I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on God because, you see, you've got the same seed of faith in you. In fact, the Bible tells us that God has given unto each one the measure of faith. Now, I noticed something curious about that scripture it doesn't say he's only given faith to those who are Christians. He's given to each one. Now, this, this light bulb went off on me this morning. You see, because typically, after a person is born again, after a person prays that prayer, receives Christ as Lord and Savior, then we refer to ourselves as believers. But guess what? You had to be, become a believer before you got born again. Why? Because you had to believe what you were hearing about Jesus. You had to believe what you were reading about Jesus. Faith developed in your heart. That little seed that God placed in there when you were conceived. They put that little seed in your spirit, okay? All of a sudden it went poof. And you went, I do believe in Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is the one who died for my sins. And I believe that God raised him from the dead. What happened? That seed burst forth. And then you said, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Make me a child of God. Yes or no? Yes. So you see how the faith works? Everything we do as we step and get closer to God is a, is a, is a matter of faith. Okay? Listen to these scriptures. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up in him is not upright in him. But look at this last phrase. I want you to read it with me. I want, we're, we're, it starts right there with but. Let's just start with the but, okay? Um, one, two, three, nice and loud like you really believe it. But the just shall live by his The just shall live by what? Whose faith? Not God's faith. Your faith. My faith. Now, this scripture is telling us the heart of the Father. His desire is for every one of his children to live by their faith, by the faith that you develop in your heart. Why? Because you got your problems, I got mine. You're going to have to develop faith to do what? To counter the problems that are in your life. That every time, every time the enemy and the whole system of this world activates against you, trying to rob, kill, and destroy, that you will have developed faith. This is good. That you, would have to develop, you, that you would have developed faith on the inside to counter your issues. You getting this? I have to develop faith to counter mine. That's why each one has been given the measure. We all start out the same, okay? God doesn't have any favorites. We all start out the same. But 
You can be in a totally different place of faith than I am. Why? Because you took your measure and you developed it. You worked on it. You fed it. You nurtured it. You caused God to expand it. Are you listening to me? So Habakkuk chapter 2 says that the just shall live by his faith. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For in it, talking about the word of God, in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, ready, one, two, three, nice and loud, the just shall live by faith. That's the second time, right? That's two scriptures, right? Romans chapter 1. Excuse me, Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For ready, one, two, three, nice and loud. For the just shall live by faith. That's three times. Want another one? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. It starts out that way. You ready? One, two, three. Now the just shall live by faith. Let me ask you a question. Do you think God wants us to live by faith? Four scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament. We can confidently say that it is God's supreme desire that his people live by faith. Why? Because we, above all people, are expected to trust him. Why? Because he gave the very best gift that he had. He gave his son to die a horrible death on the cross to prove to us how much he loved us and to prove to us how much he wants us in his life. We go around through life as Christians, go, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I want God in my life. I want God in my life. Oh, oh, you're missing the point. He wants you in his life. He drew you. He called you. He initiated this relationship. When Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't go looking for God. God came looking for them. Are you listening to me? Adam, where are you? Get it in your head. He wants you. And when he wants something, he'll do anything he has to to get to it. Amen? Amen. Turn to somebody say, I'm glad. glad. So four times God makes known this desire. And so so how, how do we overcome this world? 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. What what is there to overcome in this world? The world system. The world system. This world system does not work. It never has worked. It never has worked. Notice the world system was trying to be established as soon as Adam and Eve fell. What's the first thing they did? They tried to cover themselves with leaves. First religion on the earth. They tried to cover their shame. They tried to cover their nakedness. They didn't run to God. They tried to do it on their own. And mankind has been trying to do it on his own ever since. That's why we have so many stupid religions. That's why we have so many different belief systems. That's why we have all of these things. They're nothing but imitators of the truth. And none of those rules, none of those fig leaves, none of those rituals, no matter how many candles, no matter how many pilgrimages, no matter how many special meals, no matter what kind of statue you bow down, does never does two things. It never changes your nature, and it can't get you to heaven. Because none of them display faith and trust in God. You display faith and trust in your ability to try to save yourself. Okay? And that's why sometimes people will come up for prayer. And they'll say, I don't understand why my healing's not coming. I come to church all the time. I pay my tithes. I serve. 
I, I bring food to the food pantry. What are you doing? Where's the attention on? You, us. And so, so what are you trying to do? You're trying to buy God. You're trying to earn your healing, trying to earn your salvation. Well, you know, after all, I'm a good person, Pastor. I'm not like you. When I first got born again, I had people ask me, family members, and friends said, did you kill somebody? Are you a drug addict? Because uh, in their mind, they're thinking, well, the only time you really turn to God is when you're at the bottom of the barrel, right? But that's not the case because God draws us from all different backgrounds. Thank God. Thank God. Okay. So this weekend, we're talking about faith as being an attitude. Let's talk about attitude. Now, I know there's nobody in this room that qualifies for this. <laughs> but every one of us has a friend or a family member with a terrible negative attitude. Of course, not, nobody in here. And so, so after a while, when you catch on, you start avoiding those people. Why? Because you realize negative attitudes are very contagious. Yes or no? There are some people that have a problem for every solution that you found. No matter what you say, no, it can't work because of this, can't work because of that, can't work. You want to get me aggravated? Ask my wife, ask my staff. If you really want to get me aggravated, tell me that I can't do something that God told me to do. Because now you're going to put me in a, in, in a, in a cycle. I'm going, to, I'm going to do it just to prove that you're wrong. You listening to me? Now, we would agree that bad attitudes are contagious, yes? Okay. I have a special gift. If you go out to dinner with me, and if I'm not careful, I will ruin your meal in 30 seconds. <laughs> My wife says, amen. <laughs> now, now, many times we'll go out to dinner with, with somebody, or go out to dinner. With, when it's just the two of us, it doesn't matter. But when we go out to dinner with a group of people, while we're in the car, before we get out of the car to walk in the restaurant, she'll say to me, now, now, now watch yourself. Stop criticizing the food. Stop ruining the meal for everybody else. Okay? Why? We don't even know. We were in the restaurant business for years. As soon as they put their food in front of me, I know what they did and I know what they didn't do. <laughs> so, so when you've been in that business all your life, you know right away. Okay? So, so the point I'm trying to make is if you come to dinner with me and I'm not careful, you might really be enjoying the meal. I'll make sure you don't by the end of that meal. <laughs> Now, I've gotten better. I've gotten better, haven't I? I've gotten better. I've gotten better. But you understand my point? My point is this. A person's attitude will affect you. Attitudes are contagious. They're infectious. Okay? So, so let's flip it around now, because we're talking about faith as an attitude. Okay? When you're around somebody who's been through some things, when, you, when you're around somebody who has had to stand and trust God and see God come through and work miracles, that person walks different. You listening to me? That, you notice that person doesn't get shaken when bad news comes. Okay, why? Because they've learned how to trust God, and now their attitude is not one of like, oh, my God, oh, my God, with every, every tiny little thing, oh, my God. You know, and, and say, you know, oh, my God, my kid's got a fever, and oh, they're going to die. Shut up. 
oh my God, I'm getting laid off from my job. I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my, my wife's going to leave me. My kids are going to be, shut up. What are you doing? You're, you're displaying an attitude that has absolutely no faith in it whatsoever. Because you can't get to the point where bad news comes, and it says it in the scripture, that you laugh at it. Because you've developed the attitude of faith. You've known that your God has come through for you time and time again. And there's no reason to fear. There's no reason to fret. Psalm 37 says, don't even fret when you see evildoers prosper. So many people get jealous when they see somebody that's not a Christian, somebody that doesn't worship God, somebody maybe curses God. Well, how come they're prospering? Because they're working six days, six jobs, 24 hours a day. Anybody could do that. Maybe they made their money ungodly, with ungodly ways. You're trying, to, you're trying to measure the principles of God that sometimes take a while to kick in. But you're looking at somebody else, and now you're getting envious. Not, not envy, that envy, well, of course, nobody in here would do this, but you might know somebody. Uh, now, that envy is going to cause you to question God because you let an attitude develop on the inside of you that should have never developed. But an attitude of faith works different. An attitude of faith is an attitude of expectancy. Would you say that with me, please? Expectancy. Now, now say it the way I like to break it up. Expect and see. Because if you don't expect, you'll never Come on, a few of you got it. If you, don't, if you never expect, you're never going to see. Expect, come on, expect and see. You catch it? If you don't remember anything else today, remember. You catching this? Nobody in the word of God ever received anything without having any expectation. You listening to me? Christmas is a great time of the year. We all have different memories. You might have just, you know, we just went through Christmas a couple of months ago. Maybe this was a Christmas that where you, you experienced a lot of what you were expecting. Maybe family that you hardly ever see made arrangements for you to all come together and celebrate the day. And maybe, maybe there was a gift that you really had a desire you know, you've waited all along. You weren't going to buy it for yourself. You figured, why should I buy it for myself? Somebody might give it to me for Christmas. <laughs> you notice how as we get closer, like in the fall, we stop buying things? <laughs> why do you do that? Because you have an expectation that it's possible that somebody might have dropped that hint that you texted them. <laughs> 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 Well, there would be Hanukkah gifts then. <laughs> so, 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 so what is it? What are you doing? You, 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 uh, if, if you're like some people that I know, you might even stop eating like desserts and stuff just right after Thanksgiving. Why? Because you have an, ex an expectancy that you're going to have all those great desserts at Christmas time. I'll never forget. I went, to, uh, I went to my doctor last year, the year before, right after Christmas. And he said to me, and had done a lot of jovial celebrating that season. And he looked at my, my chart, and he looked at my weight, and he said to me, Joe, what are you doing? I said, Doc, it's Christmas. He goes, Christmas is one day. <laughs> you didn't do this in one day. 
You see what I'm saying? So, 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 but what do we do? We change the way we live previous to that holiday because we have an expectation that we're going to celebrate, an expectation that, you know, we make sure we don't have any fights with anybody. Why? Because you may have to sit next to them at dinner. You know what I'm saying? You, you change the way you live because you have an expectation of this great celebration. Our little kids are classic with this. Maybe some of us are too old to remember what it was like. It seemed like, it seemed like that week before Christmas was like a century. How many sleeps? How many sleeps till Christmas? You have that expectation. Well, honestly, that's the kind of expectation we're supposed to have that God is literally going to come through for us and he is going to release into our lives the things that we need, whether it's, whether, it's, it's, whether it's physical energy or healing, whether it's emotional health, whether it's finances, that we need finances in our life and because you know, we have a need and there's bills to get paid and all this kind of stuff. None of those things are beyond the scope of him getting involved in your life. But there has to be expectancy. There has to be an attitude of, I trust you. I trust you so much, I'm willing to put my life in your hands. I trust you so much, I'm not going to go to bed at night thinking about, and Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink. Do I have a house, a roof over my head? He said the Gentiles worry themselves, I'm paraphrasing. He said the Gentiles, the ones that are not connected to God, they worry themselves sick over these things, but your father knows what you need. Are you listening? Do you have a, a, an attitude of faith? Do you have an attitude of expectancy? Because many people say, no, no, pastor, I trust God. I have faith in God. Okay. Then where do you run first when adversity hits? That's kind of a real telltale sign if you're trusting God. And listen, there's, no, there's really nothing wrong with us wanting to get a bunch of people around us to pray. But there's some people, we say we trust God, but then you need everybody in the world to know your business. Somebody said this a while ago. I believe it was Joyce Meyer. When trouble comes, do you run to the throne or do you run to the phone? If you're not running to the throne of God to receive the grace that you need, at the time that you're in, Hebrews 4.16, then where, 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 where are you really trusting God? Because listen to me, at some point in life, it's going to come down to you and him. At some point in life, you, there's not going to be anybody to get on the phone. At some point in life, you're not going to be able to have a whole bunch of people, your cheerleaders around you. Sometimes, and Paul and Silas found out in the midnight hour, Acts chapter 16, that there's sometimes it's just you and him, and you need to trust him. And it almost seems like sometimes God sets up the situation where it's only you and him. Will you have an attitude of faith? I'm completely off my notes, and that's okay. Last Wednesday night... In fact, on Wednesday nights, if you, if you don't come on Wednesday nights, and you can, I understand there's some people that can't, but if you, if, you, if you can come Wednesday nights and you don't go out of your way to come on Wednesday nights, you're missing it. Because on Wednesday nights, it is strictly teaching. 
And on Wednesday nights, I have the opportunity because I don't have the kind of re- constraints that I have, you know, on Sundays. Um, Wednesday nights, the Holy Spirit gives me the opportunity to teach different than I teach on the weekends, okay? And there's a lot of different reasons for that. But this, these, these past few Wednesday nights, I've been teaching a series on breaking bad cycles. Anybody in here ever had gotten yourself stuck in a bad cycle where you try to pull yourself out of it? Come on, let me see. Anybody, any honest people in here today? Okay. So, so in teaching on that, and you're welcome to come. It's at 7 o'clock. We go from 7 o'clock right to 8 o'clock. There's not a lot of uh, other things. We don't do worship and stuff like that. I go right into teaching, okay? And anybody that's come here Wednesday nights, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Wednesday nights are special. This past Wednesday night, in teaching on breaking these bad cycles, we talked about desire. And, and desire is very much like expectancy, right? When you have a desire, you have an expectation that that desire is going to get fulfilled, okay? Now, there's a story in the Gospels about a man named Bartimaeus. Say Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. Now, we don't really know his name because Bartimaeus is not his name. Bartimaeus is a description of who he is. Bartimaeus is the son of Timaeus. So somebody saw this blind man, he was blind, and realized, oh, I know his father. That's Timaeus' son. So it stuck with him. Okay, so I guarantee a whole bunch of people got to heaven and went, oh, Bartimaeus. Uh, no, Timaeus is my father. Okay, so, so you'll know it as Bartimaeus when you read it in the scriptures. Bartimaeus is blind. Jesus comes to Jericho where Bartimaeus lives. And by this time in Jesus' ministry, everyone in the region knows about him. Everyone has heard about the miracles that he's working. Everyone has heard about the lepers that he has cleansed. Everyone has heard about the blind eyes he's opened, the deaf ears he's unplugged, the lame that have walked. They've all heard about this, including Bartimaeus. So Jesus is coming through Jericho, and there are multitudes, multitudes following him. And the disciples are around him, like, you know, like federal agents trying to, trying to be a, a combination of bodyguards and helpers. And Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is coming and, and laying by the side of the road where he usually would lay because when you're blind, your only source of income is begging. So he's laying by the side of the road. He begins to yell at the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The disciples, thinking they're doing their job, go to him, be quiet, stop yelling. You're making a nuisance of yourself. You're just embarrassing yourself. And he doesn't care. The more they told him to be quiet, the louder he starts yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops the procession and says to the disciples, bring him here. Now all of a sudden, the ones who were telling him to be quiet, oh, come on, the master wants to, now, now, they're, now they're barring Mace's friend. Right, come on, the master wants to see you. And Bartimaeus does something that most people miss when you read the scriptures. Bartimaeus, it says, took his cloak and threw it aside, got up, and went to Jesus. Why is that a big deal? Well, if you understand ancient culture, 
a blind person was identified by the cloak they were, wore so that if you saw them walking down the street, you could help them and aid them and be kind to them. And if you were riding on a horse or riding on a wagon or something, you would know, watch out for this guy because he can't see you. So the cloak, watch this now, was a means of identification that he's blind. Are you getting this? What is the first thing that he does when he hears, I, I can go to Jesus? I, I, they're calling me to go to Jesus? The very first thing he does is take off that cloak and throws it aside. Why? Because he knows I am never going to have to use this again when I come back. Are you catching this? That, my friends, is an attitude of faith. Before, he wasn't going to wait until he received his sight. He was convinced that he was never going to have to be identified as a blind man ever again for the rest of his life. That is the attitude of faith. He didn't say, let's see what happens. He didn't say, well, hold this thing, hold my cane, because, you know, let's see if this works. No, no, no. He was convinced that once Jesus got a hold of him, he was never going to have to use that thing again. Do you have an attitude of faith? Or do you have a plan B all the time? There's an attitude of faith. We put ourselves out there like, if you don't come through for me, that's it. I'm not looking anywhere else. I have no expectancy to receive from anywhere else. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Are you listening to me? My, 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 my heart's desire is that throughout this series, that we're going to be successful in stirring ourselves up to come to that place of having an attitude of faith. Now, listen, in a room this size with as many people are in here, and those that are going to be listening to this and watching this, there's bound to be a number of individuals, and I know, I know in here, that you're facing tremendous adversity right now. You, there's some of you that are facing challenges like you never faced before in your life. You feel like you're, you're, your back is up against the wall and you got no place else to go. Good, because you're in the best place you can be, completely and totally dependent upon God. Amen. Amen? Amen? I urge you, allow an attitude of faith to be developed in your heart. If you have not been in the habit to read the scriptures on a regular basis, please, I urge you, go read the book of Romans in the New Testament. That'll build your faith up. Read the book of Acts and see how God moved through the early church and the miracles that he did through people who trusted him, who have faith in him. Read the Gospels. See how Jesus was able to cause faith to rise up in the people around him. And how many times he would say to people, your faith has made you well. Remember, Habakkuk chapter 2 says, my just ones shall live by their faith. You and I determine the type of life that we lead on this earth. You and I, through our faith in God, our dependence upon his promises, we are the ones who formulate what type of life we're going to live here. It's not, God is not playing favorites. He has released this ability to all of his children. Every one of us had the capacity and the ability to believe him and to trust him and have an attitude of expectancy. Every single one of us. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's something that I've shared today or maybe next week or, or next week coming up or last week that we taught. I pray that something stirs you up to go after very, very militantly and very determined 
to go build a life of faith and develop an attitude of faith, and then you will laugh in the face of adversity. Then you will not get shaken when the doctor gives you the bad report. Then you will not be moved and get into a pity party when you look in your bank account and it's half empty, okay? Why? Because you have an attitude of faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. If there's anybody who needs prayer for anything, you're welcome to come up. If not, God bless you. Go enjoy the rest of the weekend. Go develop an attitude of faith. Don't settle for anything else. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.